Did you walk away from all the PNC stuff? Yeah, the whole thing, man. Just gave it back. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Blip Podcast, where we help agents build successful agencies. Thanks for joining today. I hope um, this will be a good one. I think it will. I'm excited about it. And today I have Andrew Callaway with me. Andrew um, owns Pin, Pin Oak, the, the Pin Oak Agency in Maryville, Illinois. And um, one of the reasons why I'm really excited about this is this is Andrew's first month of transitioning from being a captive agent to being an independent, owning an independent agency. And so we're going to kind of get to know him today find out where he's at right now, and then we're going to track uh, his progress and stay with him and go over the struggles and the wins and losses over this whole first year of his journey. So um, anyway, I'm really excited about it. Andrew, thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so let's, why don't you give us just kind of like a brief background of, of how you got into insurance and, and what got you to wanting to move from the captive side to the independent side? Yeah, so just to give a brief background, um, I'm 40 years old, um, worked for probably 15 years, like out of college and everything in the corporate world. So did a lot of cool things, uh, worked in corporate America. And probably for the last decade or so, I've known that I wanted to own my own business. I, I didn't know what, right? I've dabbled in some things. I built some spec homes uh, where I'm from. Um, you know, kind of looked at different opportunities in terms of like owning a business. But about five years ago, um, one of the large captive insurance companies, State Farm, they had a recruiter that reached out to me and kind of started the process. And I actually started with them as a scratch agent four years ago, uh, three and a half years ago, January 1st of 2016 was my first day. Went through their entire training um, you know, honestly, like it was uh, an easy transition because uh, the recruitment process was, you know, pretty hard. And, you know, they, 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 they kind of, they make it easy for you to get started. I probably wouldn't have started a scratch insurance agency and left my job if not for the fact that they held my hand right. and um, did that, you know, it, it was going great. You know, things were, things were good. Um I, I won't say that it was, it was terrible, but at the same time, um, you know, some of the captives from time to time, they go through um, ups and downs, right? right? And they become more competitive and less competitive. And yeah. um, I just felt like under the captive agency model, we were only addressing like, you know, maybe 20% of the market, maybe 15% of the market from a rate and an eligibility standpoint. And then also, you know, your ability to do commercial insurance, things like that. So for the past, I don't know, year or so, I've been thinking about, you know, making a switch, right? And there were some some issues also, like, just in terms of like, you know, starting scratch as a captive is pretty difficult. It's not an easy yeah. thing, you know? Um, so I kind of made the decision uh, back around January 1st um, that I was going to more than likely, you know, things didn't change, things didn't, you know, change dramatically. Um, you know, that I was going to make a switch and, and kind of be on my own island and, and try to do this on my own and, and be able to, you know, instead of meeting 20% of the market, 
hopefully be able to address, you know, 80% of the market that was out there, yep. right? And help, help all people in my community and, you know, maybe in the state of Illinois. So we're located um, in Southern Illinois, um, right outside of St. Louis. So if you think about Illinois, you know, you get Chicago at the top, biggest city, but um, the state's pretty big. And uh, we're down at the, down at the tip um, on the other end near, near St. Louis. So this is our first month and uh, there's a lot of things we don't know. And, yeah. uh, but it's, it's, it's exciting and it's, it's at least initially, right. It's going well, but yeah. uh, really, really working to get things, get the, get the wind under the sails per se. Yeah. Right. And get things, get things taken off. Sweet. Well, um, you said something that I, I hear a lot and it's been my own personal experience and my business partner's experience where um, people who, people who start on the captive side, I feel like there's this three year wind, not window, but like after three years, start to think like, is this really what I want to do? Do I want to stay with this company for, you know, the rest of my um, time in the insurance industry? And so I feel like that three to four year window right there, that's, I, I hear so many agents that start as a captive, that's when they make the move to being an independent agent. And um, I, I don't know why, I mean, maybe there's, you know, some sort of mental shift after three years, you have enough experience, you've, you know, actually know the company well enough now to, to make that decision. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, for me, I can only speak from my personal experience, but I've talked to a lot of folks who are in the same kind of um, um, time frame and same kind of situation. So there's kind of a couple factors, right? Is one is when you first start out, you, you don't know, you, you don't know, you know, about how successful you're going to be or the industry, right. right? But as you kind of move through it, right? If you want more flexibility and you want to grow faster and you want to do more, right? I think the captive world, even though most of these companies say that you're an independent contractor, there's yeah. a lot of control that they exert over you in terms of how you can conduct your business, how fast you can grow. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, if you only have one choice, right, you're, you're to a large extent at the mercy of, of their underwriting process and the cycles in that, right? So depending on, you know, whether it's farmers or Allstate or, or State Farm, right? Um, I think there's, there's periods where, you know, um, they might retrench, right? And if you want to grow and you need to grow your business in the end of the day, you need to make a paycheck, right? Um, there's a financial aspect to it, right? And then the other yeah. aspect I think is the freedom, right? The ability to do things um, today in the way that people contract business, right? There's a lot of things that you're able to do with social media and digital marketing and things like that, that some of these companies I think kind of shy away from just because they're big 800 pound gorillas. Yep. And they move slowly. And in the business world that we live in, you know, some organizations are fearful to, to allow, you know, all their people to do things because, you know, whether we, whether we want to admit it or not, right. If you have an organization of, of, you know, 15 or 20,000 people, um, it's hard to, it's hard to trust that everyone's going to do everything with the utmost integrity. So totally. they put rules in place to protect the mothership. Right. Yep. And sometimes that doesn't allow people to do things that, you know, they know they're going to do them right. They know they're always going to have, you know, the best interests of their, of their policyholders and yep. the community, but 
you can't do some things that otherwise you'd want to do. So at the end of the day, I just decided, I said, Hey, for me and the amount of flexibility I want to have and the, and the amount of growth I want to see, I think the independent world is probably the best fit. And then at the end of the day too, with the independent world, you own a hundred percent of what you produce. Right. So if you kill yeah. it, you know, it's yours and you can decide to leave and sell it. You can keep it. You can pass it on to your family. Um, you can have whatever succession plan you want. And a lot of these captive agencies, um, captive companies, they really limit your flexibility to do that. So I guess I knew that at the outset, but um, I, I didn't understand the, the full extent of it. Right. Yeah. And as I got into it, that kind of became more apparent. So it was a good shift yeah. for me. I know when, um, so when I made that jump about, gosh, 10 years ago, social media was not what it is today. I mean, I think MySpace was still uh, around and Facebook was fairly new. Um, and so the, the limitations on what we could do wasn't a huge factor in my decision, but what was the main factor was, you know, as usually when you're a captive agent, you, a lot of them are one or two person shops. And so that person is responsible for basically making the phone ring, usually going out, getting business, whatever. And um, what I was just finding is, you know, you work so hard to get those opportunities. And then regardless of what anybody says, it is not, I mean, people will buy on price, right? I say Correct. sell on price, keep them with service, build that relationship after you get them in the door. But if you're coming back, 25 to 50% higher than what they're paying. I'm sorry, you're just not going to get that client. And so like you were saying, you know, you might win 20% of those or 25% of, of the opportunities you get, but you're missing out on all these other, all these other people that you worked so hard to get in front of. And so that was the driving factor for me is I just wanted more options, more, more to be able to capture more of the market, more of those opportunities that we had. So, yeah, that's um, right. Yep. Yeah. Um, so this is your first month. You, I'd love to hear about kind of what your expectation was starting off. Like, how, also, can you give us a brief overview of like, what does the agency look like right now? What's the makeup? Is it just you? Do you have any staff? Um, do you guys have a physical office, virtual office? What's that look like? Yeah. Yeah. So, so right now uh, we've retained our physical office location. Okay. Um, I own the building. So uh, we have a, a, a nice office. Uh, office suite. Um, and then I have one employee right now uh, okay. at any given time. At one point I was up to four full-time employees, but yep. it just didn't make sense with the amount of business we were writing and, and, the, and the competitiveness to maintain those employees. So um, some of those folks left and I have one gal that's been with me. Her name's Gracie. Mm -hmm. um, she's bilingual. She's been with me for three years. She is phenomenal, right? She's kind of the backbone of, of what I do. Um, she's great enough that she doesn't know the answer. She knows to ask, right? She knows the yeah. answer she doesn't know, right? So that's an attribute that a lot of people don't have, right? That's something that's good to find. And then um, we, um, just the two of us, we're running with just the two of us right now. Um, that's probably, I mean, and, that's how, that's even having another person there, like most uh, people who start independent agencies start with just themselves. So, you know, you've already feel like got a leg up there. 
Yeah, we had we had about 700 households that we worked mm -hmm. with um, when we were with the captive. Um, the cool thing is, is that since we've announced that we're leaving and people have gotten letters and things, we've had probably, I would say, close to 200 now of those households reach out directly to wow. us and say, hey, like, what's going on? So we kind of explain to them, like, hey, you know, you've been assigned to a new person. You should have gotten a letter. Um, yeah. If you want somebody closer to your home, more than happy to to explain to you how to do that. Or, you know, the third thing is if you ask us, uh, we'd be more than happy to continue to work with you. And uh, of those 200 people that reached out, I would say probably 150 or so are like, yeah, for sure. Like, as soon as yeah. you're ready, like, I want to continue to work with you guys. We love your level of service. We love everything right. about you. So it, that's exciting that we've gotten so much support from our, you know, they're not our policyholders, but people that we've worked with in the past. Yeah. Uh, I got to be careful how I, how I say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, the, the, the reality is, is that if you're thinking about making a switch, right. And the people that you work with like you, right. And you give them a high level of service and you care about them. People don't just forget about that. Right. They, right. they want to work with people, you know, they, they want the good price, right. Like you said, but they also, they want to know that the people that are helping them, you know, care about them and their families. And I, I think that, um, that's shown that, you know, the folks who we're working with, you know, care, you know, they, 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 they think we care. Right. Yeah. So that's been so exciting. Where are you with, um, where are you at, I guess, with your contractually with the captive you came from, like, are you able to just go after that business? Is there a non-solicitation? Like if they contact you, you can write it. How's that work? Yeah, so um, in my contract, I had a non-solicitation for one year. So, um, you know, <clears throat> we're not allowed via the contract, right, um, to reach out at all um, to folks. Um, so the idea of, you know, we don't have any lists or any, right. you know, we, we weren't able to keep any of the records, right? Right, right. At the same time, we kept the same phone number. So the folks were used to calling our office and they know our number a lot of times, um, we had them set up, you know, on our social media accounts. Nice. So they've they've reached out and gotten a hold of us. Um, so there really hasn't been, you know, we couldn't do it contractually, but there hasn't been any need to. So um, we don't have a non-compete, right? That would be pretty detrimental and pretty devastating, yeah. right? If you right. couldn't work in insurance. But yeah, yeah. it's just a non-solicit, right? So we're, um, you know, we're not allowed to reach out directly to those people and say, hey, you know, remember me, you know, yeah, give me yeah. Um, that would be kind of an awkward conversation anyway. It, For sure, probably, yeah. Yeah, if they're not calling you, then you probably wouldn't want to do it, you know, yeah. nevertheless. But but um, that's kind of how it works. And, um, nice. you know, we've we've honored that, you know, that uh, contractual obligation. So uh, what was your expectation on what this first month was going to look like? Yeah, so I, I guess, you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? So yeah. I kind of thought, because I did a lot of pre-planning, right? And um, there's some things that I knew, there's a lot of things you got to wait on, right? So, you know, for me, I had a corporate entity and I had my insurance licenses already set up, right? And I couldn't really do anything with those until I actually severed ties with the captive agency, the captive, you know, um, insurance provider. So um, my last day was June 30th at midnight, right? So I had it set up with the Department of Insurance in Illinois and Missouri 
that on the first, right, my agency name would change, my corporate entity name would change, and then I would call them and actually um, disconnect and, and reapply my licenses, you know, and, and get them set up. So until you do that, you really can't get any appointments set up with any of the yeah. independent carriers. Right. Um, so I kind of thought that I would be up and running sooner. Um, the other thing is you have to get um, one thing that I never had to worry about when I first started with the captive was uh, getting like LexisNexis set up. Uh -huh. So um, we are in that process right now. Um, it's we're, we're 15. Well, today's the 16th, right? 17th. So we're 17 days in and um, I just talked to Alexis Nexus yesterday and they said it's probably going to be another two to three weeks. Yeah. So reality is, is we've gotten the carrier approvals. So we're approved, but we're not set up yet to be able to write business. So that's probably for people looking to do this. If you just want to be realistic, it's probably a 30 day process to get that set up. Maybe if you want to be really conservative, 45 days. Yeah. Uh, Lexus Nexus, you got to get set up with your departments of insurance. You got to get your corporate entity changed over or set up. Doing that differently, I probably would have just set up a separate one, separate corporate entity. But I wanted to keep the same like FEIN number and all that stuff. So I just I just switched it all. Yeah. Um, but you know, we're gonna get there. It's just gonna take a little bit longer than I thought. Now we can write some business through the uh, the cluster group that I'm using through their back office. Um, but it's, you know, it's going to be more ideal when we're on our direct codes and we can write everything ourselves and yeah. know, do all that. But, you know, there's a lot that we don't know. What, um, so, yeah, so you get these hiccups, right, along the front. It's like anything, right? Like when you start a new project, start a new whatever, marketing campaign, like there's so much that you just don't really know and you don't know how it's going to pan out. So. Um, I, that's why I'm, I love this. I love this idea, having you on, following your journey the first year to give people like an inside look. Cause I mean, people who have been doing it for a while, I, I don't even remember the struggles that we faced, you know, that first month and how difficult it was and all that kind of stuff. So, um, what, let's talk some numbers. What, what was your expectation? Like, you know, you thought probably that it was gonna, you'd be able to write business directly a lot faster. Mm -hmm. So did you have a certain amount of households you want to get policies premium this first month, or are you just running and trying to get it done? Yeah. I mean, well, we had thought, right. That realistically we were going to write about a hundred thousand dollars in annualized premium on PNC okay. first, month. first month. Uh -huh. Yeah. We thought that would be pretty easy. Um, but because we don't have these carrier relationships yet, that's just not going to happen. So yeah, that's going to get pushed back until, you know, August. But what okay. we're doing right now is we have our rater set up. So we are I, I just this kind of epiphany just hit me in the last few days. So one thing you can do is, is you can start setting the folks up in the rater, right? And oh, yeah. get information in there so that when you have the carrier appointments, then you can just hit the button and quote them, right? You don't need to yep. call them back and gather any more information or load the information. So my team member, I've told her, hey, just make sure you're doing two to three of those um, preloads, right? We're calling them every day, right? Because yeah. she's got a, a, you know, a, quite a few people that are like, hey, I want to quote and I want to come with you. So I said, hey, if you do two or three and it takes us another 14 days, then by the time 
that we get these appointments set up, you're going to have 30 quotes ready to go. And it's just a matter of going in, hitting the button, choosing, right, calling them back, getting the coverage bound. So that's what we're doing right now. Um, our monthly premium in the old world before we left was about the best month we ever had was probably about 50,000 in premium. Okay. I would say uh, maybe a little bit North of that. And then um, we probably did between 25 and 30,000 every month of new raw, new PNC personal lines premium. Mm -hmm. So, you know, on a, I think we're going to have this bulbous right in the first few months of people, you know, coming back and saying, Hey, Hey, we want to work with you. And then right. once we get through that, um, you know, our our goal is to do you know double what we did before i mean with two people uh -huh. um nice. you know if we if if we can up our closing ratio i don't think that will be an issue but um hopefully i'm hopefully i'm wrong on the down on the downward side yeah. not the upward side but we'll see you yeah. know i mean you don't know what you don't know um but i think it should be at least initial indications are we should be pretty good in terms of you know price and and yeah uh, coverage availability and things like that. So. I know one thing that we uh, that we did not account for when we started was um, so often we would be quoting people that were our prior clients and the rate would literally be half of what they were paying. And so what a normal account for us would have been like, say 3000 in premium. Now it's like, 1500. I'm talking like right. about everything, right? Umbrella, home, like 2500 or whatever. Um, and so it was, it was one, it was great. It was really easy for us to close more new business, but we were, you know, making way less or taking, I guess our premium was way less, but your commissions are probably going to be considerably higher too, right? Yeah. So the commissions are going to be 50% higher, you know, on yes. average, oh, right. Amazing. Sometimes more, sometimes less. So like on the personal lines, PNC, um, you know, it, it should be significantly better on what we get paid. Now there's going to be some people who are like that, that are half, right. The premium on an annual basis. And I think there's also going to be some people who were in the optimum position, right. So maybe yeah. it's about the same. And then I would, you know, I would tend to think that once we get into this, we're going to find some people who are like, hey, look, if you want to come with us, that's great. But, you know, we looked at all of our carrier relationships, you know, for some reason, you are in the best spot today. Yeah. So we just suggest you stay where you're at, unless you really want to, you know, come with us, you got pretty good coverage. Um, the only downside is you're not working with us. And then we'll yeah. check with back with you in a year, you know, something changes. Yeah. And, um, that's going to happen, but I think so, that'll be, you know, that'll be less than, than, you know, I think that probably like 25%. That's my estimate, but we'll, we'll know here in a couple months. <laughs> yeah. I hope it's not 60%, right? Yeah. What, um, what ways, uh, aside from, um, your <clears throat> past clients reaching out to you, do you have any, I guess, methods of marketing that you weren't really doing before that you're going to try to focus on now to drive new business? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we have, you know, of course the traditional methods, right. Referrals, sure. word of mouth, um, referral partners, right. Like mortgage lenders and real estate agents that we know in the community who work with us. So we're going to, 
we're going to, once we're fully up and operational, right, we're going to continue to, to develop those relationships and leverage those. But uh, one of the ways which is kind of exciting for me is that, you know, the idea of using like YouTube ads, Facebook ads, things like that, and the ability to actually capture the information that you need to call the person back and do the quote um, was really limited for us in the capital yeah. world. So when I first started, I spent a lot of time and energy on trying to learn how to be kind of a marketer because uh, you know, to a certain extent, you know, an insurance agency is about marketing yourself, right? And, yep. you know, how much time you spend as a marketer versus how much time you spend as a, as a risk manager, right, is dependent on the agent and the staffing and all that. But the more time you can bring people into the funnel, you know, the better your sales are going to be, right? So we are going to, we're going to try, we're going to attempt, right? to leverage social and some of the, the digital strategies um, to bring in, you know, clients. And, and I, I feel like I've spent an inordinate amount of time on learning this stuff, but not executing on it. So now it just becomes once we kind of get live, you know, being able to execute some of the things that I think I know how they work, yeah. but you know, it's time to see, do they actually work in, in practice? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I hope that I'm, um, pleasantly surprised that what I thought actually comes to fruition. I mean, I think there's a lot of folks who've, who've built a pretty nice business using this digital realm. And, uh, you know, we just want to, we just want to kind of like not make that all of our business, but we'd like to, we'd like to play in that area and, and, and make that an important part of our, of our sales funnel. Yeah. So you're talking social media, Facebook, YouTube, that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah, social Facebook, YouTube, um, Instagram, uh, I don't know much about it. So not so much yeah. right now. And then, um, you know, SEO as well, yeah. you know, trying to yeah. be at the top of the Google, but, uh, there's some resources out there that can, you know, that, that I found that can help you learn how to, how to, um, you know, how to run those, those advertising, um, those types of advertising and how to, how to, how to market that and the kind of message to get out there and the right, the right scripting and everything. So we're going to try to leverage that and use that and, and hopefully knock on wood, um, you know, people, people like to see us and, uh, oh, yeah. and, and, and we can really uh, hit a home run there. The, the other nice thing is, is that, um, you know, we, we are a bilingual agency. Yeah. So um, I, I think, right. Because of that, we might be able to do some like YouTube ads um, in Spanish and I think that will really, my, my intuition is that's really going to work out, right? Just yeah. from some things we've done in Spanish in the captive world, we got mm -hmm. such an overwhelming response without any way to capture any data that I think we're going to really have some success there. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll know in the next 30 to 45 days how that, how that pans out. Nice. I'll be able to talk about it on the next call. Yeah. Well, man, dude, yeah. I'm bored to it. I'm super pumped for you. Congratulations. This is a big step. It is, man. It's, it's, uh, for anybody thinking about doing it, you know, I, I would say that I, I put in about, you know, probably six to eight months of pre-work. You know, I talked to a lot of different, um, platforms and a lot of different people that had made the switch. So, you know, make sure you just reach out to people and try to figure out as much as you can ahead of time, because honestly, yeah even if you do that, you're still going to feel like 
you're drinking from a fire hose and you can't catch yeah. your air, but you're going to feel a lot better that you know kind of what's going on. Um, yeah. And so that pre-work does help, you know? Yeah. Nice, man. Well, I will let you get back to it. But again, thank you so much, Andrew from Pin Oak. Um, how, how can people find you if they have questions or, or want to like your Facebook page so they can kind of see what you guys are doing? Yeah. So on Facebook, um, it's Pin Oak Agency. If you, I think if you just put that into Facebook, you'll find that. Um, Andrew Calloway on Facebook. So if anybody wants to send me a personal message, you know, feel free to send me a friend request and just like reach out. And then um, like, I can't answer every question just because I have a business to run, but I'm happy to chat with anyone. And then uh, I would say probably just kind of tune into these podcasts because yeah. in, you know, in two or three months, you're going to know what works and what doesn't work. So this is kind of a good um, case study on, you know, what you should do and maybe what you shouldn't do. So, yeah. And this um, is a, this is a great um, time for me to say the check-ins and the, um, you know, when I, I normally will post a video to Facebook and post links and that kind of stuff for the check-ins. If you are interested in following Andrew's journey, make sure you subscribe to either the YouTube channel or one of our iTunes outlets. Um, or, you know, you can also subscribe to get an email notification when a new post is out. I'm not going to push these out the same way the, the check-ins, the same way that I have done all the other podcasts. I really, um, you know, the show format is once a week and these are going to be in addition to the other stuff we're doing. So subscribe and I'll, I'll push that out on Facebook to tell you like, you got to subscribe to get the stuff. We're going to be doing some other stuff too. That's going to be kind of cool. That's only for people who have subscribed. So I know I'm super excited about following Andrew's journey. And I know if you've gotten to this point in the show, you probably are too. And so anyway, make sure you subscribe. And if you know somebody who is um, thinking of making that jump, share this, um, this video, this post, this, you know, um, podcast with them so they can follow along too. Cause I'm super pumped, man. I'm so glad I met you in Kentucky. I met Andrew in Kentucky. How long ago was that? Three months ago? Two, two or three months ago, we went to a seminar in Lexington. Um, yeah. And I actually, actually wanted to go. It was a free seminar put on by um, Agency Evolve, right? Um, uh, Agency Evolve posted it kind of, and it was with Nick Ayers talking about YouTube. Yes, yeah. talking about YouTube ads. And I actually got up at like 2.30 a.m. and drove to Lexington. It's about a five-hour drive. So I was pretty tired, but you sat in front of me and we started chatting yeah. about your, your blog and your vlog. And um, yeah, I'm super pumped because I've gotten, I'll be honest with you, I've gotten probably um, 50 to 100 private messages and phone calls from people saying, hey, would you talk to me? And, you know, for most people, I'm like, you know, you got to really put a lot of thought into whether you want to do this or not. But yeah. if you do, right, like, you know, I'm happy to chat and tell you how maybe wait a couple of months and see how it turns out for me. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you subscribe to this, you can kind of, you can see how it's going. So, uh, yeah. this, is, this is good for a lot of, I think a lot of people will find value in this and, awesome. uh, it'll hold me accountable too. Yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. this is a great, a great, so one of the things I think, man, I feel like I tried to end this like five minutes ago, but I keep going. Right, so, right, right. Um, one of the things that I think is uh, easy to lose sight of, the, especially right when you're getting started, is the numbers on everything. You know, how many quotes are you doing? How you know what's the close ratio? What's the premium enforced? Because you're just in it and just 
buried in all the stuff that you're doing. And so um, I would love to have those numbers for everyone who listens. So that's a challenge for you if you're not already trying to keep that information because it's amazing information to have, you know, and then you tweak something and see how it changes and all that kind of stuff. So Right. No, we, we will uh, we will definitely have that uh, as soon as we get, you know, a more robust quoting oh, yeah. platform. And yeah. uh, that'll be something that we can check in on and talk about. So nice, man. I'm super excited. Thanks, Andrew, for joining me. Everyone, thanks, thanks for guys. listening. Yeah, we'll see you. Andrew and I will see you in about a month. Take care.